Um, this is actually lesson four. Uh, we're well past the fourth week of our study out of Leroy Brownlow's book. Uh, just a little background. What happened is, uh, if you recall two weeks ago, I, I preached in David's absence. So that was the Sunday that it rolled around for me to teach lesson four. So it was just a little too much. You know, I didn't have the time to prep for it. So we swapped around uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, Mark needed to do something from a scheduling standpoint, so he taught last week. So uh, this is going to be lesson four. You know, I know we've already done five and six, but this is lesson four. So if you're looking at the book, uh, I don't recall. I think it was on maybe page 26. I don't have my book with me. Um, but the, the, the lesson title is, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Am I My Brother's Keeper? Uh, in preparing for this particular lesson, I, I don't have to tell you that you could take this particular question, this particular topic, and you could really go in a lot of different directions with it. Uh, I think uh, uh, the principles that we look at here in, in this particular lesson uh, are certainly ex extensively needed here in the United States today, is it not? Uh, so much uh, strife and hate and uh, discourse going on. Uh, there seems to be an element that wants that in our country to disrupt everything and all. When all we have to do is just go back to basic Bible principles as we talk about this morning, and it all goes away. Uh, it just does. Uh, that's, you know, likely not going to happen because there's a certain entity who intends to destroy us, uh, to take us to eternal damnation, and do it any way he can. And I believe that's exactly what's going on today. So. Uh, the more people hate, uh, the, the better that success is for that entity. Um, so that's kind of some of what we'll talk about this morning. Uh, and again, like I said, we could go in, in a lot of different directions, and, and, and you know we have a certain amount of time this morning, so we'll stay focused in one certain direction. But I, I think where it really starts... Uh, is with people, folks, just having no respect for God. Uh, they haven't studied God's Word, for one thing. Uh, our society has uh, systematically done all it could to take God out of every phase of our lives. Uh, now, uh, uh, you know, they're, you, you see our our social media and, and the news media and the politicians carrying us in a direction where, they're, where uh, uh, Christians are being um, categorized as the bad ones, the evil people, the, the phobic type people, on and on and on. Uh, we call evil good and good evil. Uh, but really where it all starts is, is with little or no respect for God, for God's will. And what that leads to is sooner or later they don't have respect for themselves. And then what that, what that leads to is not having respect for others. And that comes 
back around full circle to exactly what we were, we were saying there just a few minutes ago. It really starts without, with this, without a knowledge of God and His will, there is no way of determining proper conduct. That's the bottom line. So, you know, if we look at things going on in our country today, they've taken God out of schools. You know, I can recall, and you probably, you know, most of y'all can, I think, that are in here, uh, there was a Bible in the classroom, and it was read, you know. And when, when we went to lunch, they had a prayer over the intercom, you know. So it, even if, if a child in that environment was, was not raised in a religious sort of setting, at least there was an influence there. And I think it manifested itself out in society. And, and you know, us growing up, we didn't see these, you know, I mean, you know, burning down somebody's store because you didn't like what they thought. You wouldn't have done that, you know. You just, you wouldn't, that wouldn't even be in your mind, you know, that that was okay to do that. So, um, I think that's it. I think that that little bit of influence has been completely removed and, and there's just not many folks that, that really have a good knowledge of God's will and therefore they don't know how to properly conduct themselves and they particularly do not have, know how to conduct themselves towards others. And that's what we're seeing. There's just not, you know, without the Word of God, there, there's just, there's no proper motivation to either do good or to avoid evil. Uh, there, there, without the Word of God, there, there's, there's no sacrifice, sacrificial living or giving uh, that, that blesses other people. Uh, with, without Without the Word of God, there, there's, there's no way to properly understand and properly appreciate the guilt that we experience when we fail to do the right thing, when we fail to do God's will. We don't feel that guilt. I think that's, that's a good point right there in and of itself is that we look at all this bad stuff going on. They're not, they don't care. They don't worry about it. They don't feel guilty about it because they don't have God's word in their heart. That's really what it boils down to. And, I, and I'm sorry if it's coming across kind of harsh. I really, it's just for, you know, I, I believe most everybody in here is as frustrated with what we see today as, as I am. And I think it's time, high time for Christians to step up and be an influence in, in, our, in our society and in our culture today. But... To, to disregard for and to res, and disrespect for our our fellow man really is traced back to our lack of knowledge of the Word of God uh, and our and and then consequently our failure to apply the Word of God our failure to uh, follow God's will and and we can see back through the annals of history uh, the societies that did that. Were blessed that that did follow the word of God. They were blessed, and in those societies that respected and followed what what the Bible demands. We just look at the children of Israel in the Old Testament and the history of them, and and their you know their consequences that they had to, they had to pay because they turned their back on God. I fear we're going to have to pay a consequence. Um, 
we're far, we're far from that. We're far from a society that really follows the will and the word of God. Um, Matthew 5, 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, out of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told, told us that Christians are placed in society to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And it's high time that, that we all try to do that. We, we are in the world to have an impact, and that impact is, is, to, ha is to be a good impact, a good influence. Um, um, I, I would go so far as to say, so far as how we treat our fellow man, I don't think there's any other group uh, other than Christians who really have everything that they need to assist them to know their duty toward their fellow man. God, God wrote it, you know, in His Word, and we we know the, we know that, and, and we have that, uh, and and even to carry that maybe a step further, we know that we have to do that as Christians, and so we have a motive to do that as Christians, and and we just need to realize that that before God and before the world that's watching us, uh, we are to be our brother's keeper. We are. Uh, I want to talk, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to uh, Genesis 4, 9 in, in a bit. Uh, first thing I want to do is talk about Galatians 6.10. So turn your Bibles to Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, therefore, or in some translations it says, so then, that, that, that calls attention to what was said earlier to prepare our mind to accept the, this affirmation that we just read out, out of Galatians. We're, we are to be engaged... Um, in the work, uh, because there will be a harvest, and and each person, man or woman, is going to reap what they have sown. So, what we need to do is know and realize that we have to do good so that we reap the harvest that we we want to reap. Uh, we're either sowing our, you know, for the flesh. Or we're sowing for the spirit and toward toward the judgment, and 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 that's all predicated on this and that that we've already stated here um, that Paul wrote in Galatians six ten. Let us do good to all men, to all men, and and is that easy? Is that always easy? It's not. I'm not trying to suggest that it's just uh, that that simple. Uh, sometimes it is. A lot of times it is. Sometimes it's not. Um, but we don't need to be weary of doing everything that we can. We don't need to be weary in well-doing and in, in the reaping of good that, um, that comes back to what Paul wrote here in Galatians 6.10, let us do good to all men. We need to seize opportunities. Once those opportunities pass us, uh, they're gone. Uh, you know, we see folks uh, from time to time, they'll be out on the road or around a store, you know, they're asking for help. 
And you know, our, our, I guess our culture has taught us to not trust that. You know, that those people really need help. You know, we tend to be judgmental and say, they're gonna uh, go buy drugs or something like that, you know. And that's probably true, but is that your, does, how, how does that come back to bear on you? Is, if they go and they buy drugs, is that between you and God or between them and God? And what have you done? You know, I, I, I had an experience that I thought I'd share with you. It's been a few years back, but I was over at the, um, I don't remember why I was over there. It was at, around the Target in Decatur. And, uh, you know, there's that intersection there with that red light uh, where you come out of Target. And so I was coming out, and it was midday and uh, a lot of traffic, and there was a couple. There used to be a service station right there on the corner. There was a couple standing on the corner with a sign that said they needed money, um, um, going somewhere, they were on their way somewhere or something, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, I, they caught my eye, and um, the red, red light caught me. And so I sat there, you know, and they were there. And um, it just, they did, they looked sincere to me. They just did. And um, so I turned around, went to the ATM, got them some money, and came back over there. By the time I got back over there, um, they had moved from the corner and were over sitting beside the service station there on the curb. And they just looked distressed. Uh, it, was, it was a couple maybe in their 20s, maybe 30 years old or so, just a man and a woman. And um, I pulled up, rolled down the window, handed it over to them, and you, just the expression on their face. I, I felt like I had finally, you know, given something to somebody that really truly did need it. You know, they were out there, they just acted like they really needed it. So. I suggest that that's, that's just an example. There, there are opportunities for us to do good to all men, and, and we need to cease them, because why? They're gone. I don't know where that couple is today. You know, I hope they're okay. Hope, hope they got to where they're going and they're okay. Um, we've got to be concerned, not only with not working ill will toward anyone, but, but toward that which is good, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward, as, as Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.18. Um, what, what does it mean to do good, to work good? Uh, it means to take thought for things honorable in the sight of all men, Romans 12.17. It means to be at peace, if possible, with all men, Romans 12.18. It means to render to all men their dues, whether it's civil or otherwise, Romans 13, 7. It means to exercise forbearance unto all men, Philippians 4, 5. It means to increase and to abound in love toward all men, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. It means to be found making supplication, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, and thanksgiving for all men. 1 Timothy 2.1 It means to be gentle toward all men. 2 Timothy 2.24 It means to show meekness towards all men. Titus 
In other words, and we could keep going, but we'll stop right there. The faithful Christian is sensitive to the needs of their neighbor. Uh, and they're eager to help their neighbor, eager to do good to all men, eager to be like Christ and to take the opportunities before they, those opportunities pass them by. Now, granted, there'll be other opportunities, but those that you had opportunities to do, you, you know, they've passed you by. Selfishness has no part in the life of a faithful Christian. Now, I used up quite a bit of time there, but I thought that fell in line with the line of thought. Uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll move now over to uh, Genesis 4 and verse 9, which is uh, uh, where we get the title uh, uh, of our little lesson this morning, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Spoken by Cain after, of course, he had, uh, he had killed Abel. Um, the book of Genesis, uh, of course, written by Moses for the Israelites, it covers the period of time from creation to approximately 1800 B.C., uh, essentially explaining to us and giving us the information of how the world began and then everything of, of major importance that happened up to the start of the time uh, until Joseph's death in, in, in Egypt, uh, some time before Moses led the Israelites out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. Of course, Genesis 1 and 2, we're told how, the, how God created the earth, how he created man and woman. Uh, Genesis 3 is the temptation by the serpent, tempted Eve into eating the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then she gave the fruit to Adam, he ate and how then God subsequently cursed them and banished them from the Garden of Eden. And now we're in Genesis 4 where we're told that these same two people, Adam and Eve, have, have given birth first to Cain and then to his brother Abel. We know that Abel is a shepherd and that Cain is a farmer. Uh, that, that's told to us. And, and when it comes time for the family to make their offering to God, then we read that Cain gave a, a mediocre gift to God, just some of the fruits of the soil, while Abel gave an exceptionally good, good gift, apparently, uh, the fat uh, portions from, from some of the firstborn of his flock, the, the premium of his flock. That's what he offered, where that's not what Cain, Cain did. And so... Uh, God was pleased, of course, with Abel's gift, but not with Cain. And that, through jealousy, caused Cain to be upset. And then God counseled Cain, asking him, you know, why are you angry? You know, and he, he wrote this in verse 7 of Genesis 4. If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. I, I'm sorry, read that wrong. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Verse 7. And so then Cain goes and he invites Abel um, out into the field with him, and there he attacks Abel, and he, and he kills Abel in verse 8. And so immediately after this, God asks Cain, where is Abel? And of course what we read is the disingenuous response from Cain to God. Uh, the, the thing is, of, you know, 
he should know that God knows all. We know that God knows all. God knew where, where Abel was. Um, God knows the truth. He's, he's, he tells Cain that um, Abel's blood cries out to him from the ground in verse 10. Um, And, and then after that, as he did with Cain's parents, Adam and Eve, God banishes Cain from the land. He, he also cursed his ability to, uh, to work the ground and, and then declared from then on that Cain will be a, a restless wanderer of the earth. Verse 12. My, my feeling is that... Uh, uh, and he put a uh, one other thing. He put a protective mark on Cain so that no one would kill him. And then then Cain moves on to the to the land. Now, what I was going to say is I suspect Cain's the rest of Cain's life was pretty miserable. And he spent many days thinking about what he had done and the consequences of that. And we need to do the same. That's another lesson to take away from this. So in Cain, in, in Genesis 4, what do we see in Cain's attitude and disposition? We see selfishness, of course, jealousy, of course, but also ruthlessness. And even, you know, to carry it even further, it leads, that ruthlessness leads to, to brutality. And, and we, can, we can look to any number of Bible characters and we can, we can really contrast that and that lesson that we take away from that. Uh, we're going to be squeezed on time this morning, but um, uh, I think if we look at the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, verses 14 through 17, we see a stark contrast to what we see in Cain. So that was my intent this morning, uh, was to kind of talk about Cain and then also look to Paul as a contrast to that in those verses. Uh, we see... In Paul, the opposite. We see unselfishness. We see kindness. We see sacrifice. We see civility. And on and on. In Cain's example, in, in, in verse 4 of Genesis 4, we see murder. Mur you know, Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were, they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother and killed him. Uh, and I think, you know, it isn't difficult to trace the downfall of Cain. What was his first mistake? His first mistake was exactly what we've already been talking about, and that was to disregard and disrespect the will of God. If we, you know, as a society in our country today could take a lesson away from that and apply it, that's what we need to do. Um, his... Mm -hmm. But when God confronted him, when Christ confronted him, instead of the am I my brother's keeper, he went and prayed for many days to see and waited for mm -hmm. God to tell him what to do. Whereas Abel was unwilling to do any of that. He was just going to wait up. Yeah, on Paul's part, there was remorse and then there was repentance. And, 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 and Cain could have done the same. Could have done the same. Um, and, and good point, Julie, is that his, you know, his disregard and disrespect of God's will is obvious, but his second thing is that his heart was hardened, that, that he did wrong. Uh, 
against the, the repeated warnings of God, you know. What, what happens with that, with that selfishness is it kind of crystallizes into anger and then that anger becomes uncontrolled and it led to wrath and it led to hatred of his brother. And that enabled Cain in his mind to go ahead and be willing to take Abel's life and obviously feel no remorse over it. That's the point we were making. Uh, you know, he's, he's almost sarcastic, or he is very sarcastic to God. You know, God is talking to him, and he's, he's sarcastic. And it speaks so much of his, uh, uh, of his mindset and his attitude. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. I won't take the time since we're kind of squeezed this morning. Uh, to read that, but please read that. Um, um, it's, a, it's a repeat of, uh, you know, one of the Ten Commandments in the New Testament on the part of Christ and in, on the Sermon on the Mount, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Um, A couple of things, though, to add to the line of thought. Does that mean, of course, that we, we're not allowed to be human beings, if you will, and be angry? I, I don't think there's a person, if I were to ask raise of hands, who's not somewhere long in their lifetime been angry in here. And I'll be the first to admit that I have. Uh, I come from a, a family that has pretty bad temper. And uh, I could tell you some stories that aren't necessary this morning, but uh, I inherited that a little bit. And as a young person, I did not control that very well. Fortunately, I think after many embarrassments and experiences, I've been able to kind of gain control of it. But uh, and, and you, you know, some of you probably have could say the same thing. We're permitted to be angry. Ephesians 4:26 reads, "Be angry and do not sin." but do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So we, you know, we're allowed to be angry. Um, but we're taught both by precept and example that the wrath of man worketh not to righteousness of God. James 1, 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not pr produce the righteousness of God. Uh, had Cain loved his brother, what would he have been doing? He wouldn't have been seeking to harm him. He would have been seeking uh, to do uh, goodwill toward him. Um, and if he had loved God, he would have sought to find out what Abel did Correct. You know, 1 John 3, 12 reads, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So Scripture tells us, you know, exactly what you, what you just said, Jude. Individuals who develop the characteristics of Cain are unable to be their brother's keeper. They don't have the facilities about them to do that. We, we, are, we make choices, and we can choose to be good or we can choose to be evil. We can't mix those two things up. Um, if in, in the very process, though, of choosing to do good and choosing to do well-being for others, we're actually doing good for ourselves. 
You know, there's, there's that benefit to it, to be, to be totally absorbed in ourselves and neglect the welfare of others is in effect that very process that works evil towards ourselves, towards ourselves. Uh, being our brother, brother's keeper, that reaps eternal, eternal dividends for us. Um, a couple of other few things. I'm going to kind of go through it rather quickly. Uh, rebellion, you know, verse 4-9, we, we see the rebellion on the part of Cain. He, he asked the question that's in our title of the lesson this morning. When God asked him where Abel is, he says, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, one of the most... I don't want to. I don't want to glamorize it, but it's maybe one of the most infamous comebacks of all time. You know that everybody. You know, everybody knows it. You know, it's one of one of those things that you know we just all know about. Um, he just killed his brother Abel. His brother had made a better offering, and the Lord asked him, "Where's your Where's your brother Abel?" And he he says, "I don't." He, in effect, says, I don't know when he replied, I am my brother's keeper. Well, why did God ask him that? Well, God knew where Abel was. He knew what had happened. Um, I, think, I think Cain's response is very callous. It's sarcastic. Uh, there's things you can read in commentaries about why he, he did that. Maybe he was attempting to hide his evil. Maybe he thought he could hide it from God. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he 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 knew what he'd done and maybe his response was just a deliberate challenge to the Lord, which which is remarkable. Uh that uh, you know, and it's just unfathomable to me. Um, the the question is that God is asking, of course, is is a, a rhetorical question, in an, an attempt to cause Cain to accept the responsibility. You know what he does. Uh, I I think, or what he did. Um, you know, I think he knew God was you know, the creator of the world and everything in it and that uh, he was sovereign and, and he knew all and, and could do all. I think Cain knew that. Um, yes, sir? This is the first baby on earth. You know. mm-hmm. Are you making mistakes? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. Um, there's some more comments we could make. Uh, we're going to run out of time real quick. Uh, verse 14 uh, is where God condemns him. Uh, I, I think the point to take away from that is that at creation, God commanded us to care for the earth and all upon it. Um, we're, you know, he's, he's com- consistently uh, repeated this particular command, love others. 
And that's why I picked that song this morning. And I was appreciative of uh, Matt's uh, scripture. I didn't tell him to read that scripture, but it fell in line too, didn't it? Uh, uh, we're, to, we're to love others. We're to care for others. We're to provide for others. We're to be responsible for others. Um, it's real hard today because we see people who want to take advantage of that. You know, but that again goes back to my example I gave you that that when you see somebody begging on the side of the road that's between them and God not between you and God you got to think about what's between you and God um, anyway let me quickly just a few minutes left over to Romans 1 14 through 7 I'm sorry 14 through 17 I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians both to wise or to unwise so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are, also, who are in Rome also. We talked about this in the sermon a couple of weeks back. We used the same scripture. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Look at how Paul starts out verse 14 there. I am a debtor. That's his mindset. Who's he a debtor to? Everybody. You're a debtor. I'm a debtor. You know. In other words, I take that to mean we owe. You know, if you're a debtor, you owe. You owe the love to that person that needs it, that you you're you're having some sort of a association with. Paul possessed a really proper attitude and disposition not just towards God, but toward his fellow man just, just as well. He knew that, that he was the recipient of tremendous blessings from God, but also from his fellow man. And he acknowledged that. He recognized that. Uh, he, he recognized that, that he had a treasure that his fellow man needed, which is how to be saved, how to have salvation. Um, he had, he had been richly blessed with this, you know, and when we're talking about this, we're not talking about riches. Paul had been richly blessed with this storehouse of knowledge and, and then unbounded blessings as a consequence of that. He knew that that treasure was not for selfish means, but rather it was to be shared uh, with others. He knew, he knew that to share the gospel was the way that he could meet his brother's needs. So when we're talking about this, I, I guess I kind of didn't make that point and maybe should have early on, and that is that we're not talking about giving somebody a $20 bill on the side of the road, per se. We need to teach them the gospel. That's the treasure you know, and, and, and we're using the, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, being our brother's keeper, we think about the needy, you know, and true, it's all true, but, but think of all the needy who need salvation, who need to hear the gospel, who need to obey the gospel. That's the treasure to give to them. And I, I did not manage my time very well uh, this morning. Um, Thank you for your comments this morning. Um, 
Um, I think, let's see, I may have one or two more points real quick. Uh, um, go, go study this in contrast. Cain versus Paul and try to understand our duty of, to God and our duty to our fellow man. And understand that respect for God and leads to, to compassion for our fellow man, and those really cannot be separated. Uh, be, to be informed of the Word of God, that's to know our duty toward our fellow man, which starts with preaching the gospel, teaching, and leading people to Christ and to, to obey the gospel. Um, lots, lots of good thoughts out of this lesson. Uh, appreciate the comments. And uh, uh, again, thank you for your comments. And uh, we'll, we'll stop there.